J.C. McKisson is a LinkedIn top voice, writer and editor, and thought leader and contributor to numerous national publications. He works with founders, CEOs, owners, leaders, and government officials to turn them into thought leaders and recognize experts in their fields. In today's show, he talks about the current economy and job market, finding your unique talent, how to make yourself the main character in your story, and advice for people just starting their careers. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Ramped Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. You may recognize his name. It is JC McKisson. JC, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Danny. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to pick your brain on a multitude of topics, specifically what is going on in the talent world today, in the market, what is happening with all of these layoffs and a broad swath of other things. But before we jump in, we have to ask, who is J.C. McKisson? Well, thank you. I'm a writer, primarily. Professionally speaking, I didn't always do that. I had a complete sort of reinvention of my career because of some success I had on LinkedIn with some blog posts a while ago, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I'm, I'm a writer, and hopefully, you know, the type of writing I do is designed to help people with challenges like this and, you know, others, you know, how to get the job you want, how to have your business succeed, those types of things. So, and the best thing for me as a writer is when I get a message from someone who read it saying, you know, this really impacted me, or made a difference in my life. So, you know, hopefully we can talk about some stuff here that someone else gets to take that in and make the change they need. Love it. Amazing. We've been admiring from afar. Obviously we're big on LinkedIn. So that is how we originally found you. Super honored to be in your presence today. Let's start with a really broad topic. So you obviously have seen a ton in your experience as a writer. But right now we're at a really interesting time. So it seems like the economy is contracting. It also seems like jobs are going away. People are being laid off. But we also hear these amazing job reports. I'm not experiencing that as somebody who has a talent platform and somebody who has a job search platform. What are you seeing in the market today? What are you seeing in the jobs market today? And what is happening out there for people looking for jobs right now? I really echo your feelings. I mean, you know, I write about the economy a lot for LinkedIn and for other platforms and people I work with. And I think it's really, this is not like, you know, this doesn't sound like an economist talking, but it's just really strange right now, right? Because we do hear this kind of stream of good news sort of thing. And I don't think that's reflected in reality and in certain aspects of reality, meaning that I know we're not talking about this, but you know, if you're looking for a house right now, housing is more expensive than it's ever been in history, right? It's, it's hard to square that with an amazing economy. And then I think the same thing kind of plays out in jobs too. I mean, it really depends on where you sit. Like I know, you know, I've read several reports about things, you know, really wage wise and, and employment wise kind of going well for skilled labor, blue collar workers that had kind of lagged for a long time or are feeling kind of some pickup there. But I think there's a lot of other people who aren't. And, you know, I, I mean, this isn't this isn't really a data driven answer, but I know, you know, on LinkedIn a year ago, two years ago, you know, something that I was maybe qualified for being an editor or writer somewhere, I'd go and if I saw it, there would be a few dozen applications. Now you go on there and, you know, I mean, literally, if you're not in the first milliseconds of that posting, you're never going to get seen, right? I see these things even especially in a lot of the spaces, I kind of touch technology, media, places like that, where the same job that had 56 applications two years ago has, you know, 2000 now. And you're just not going to, and I don't mean this to be bleak because we'll sh surely talk about ways that you can help yourself. 
but you know, it's, if you're not hearing responses from applications and there are 2000 people applying, it's not because you weren't qualified for the job. It's because obviously the cutoff happened 1900 applications ago. So I would agree with that. I think that the reality and the narrative aren't matching up. And I think that, you know, I know in polling, when you look at different satisfaction numbers and what people think about the economy, it's not changing. So you hear, see these polls and then you see an article afterwards saying, well, why isn't it changing? Well, it's not changing because the reality isn't matching up kind of what people are being told. So yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yep. That's what we're seeing too. And yeah, the 2000 applications, you know, I was looking through jobs the other day to help one of our users, our customers, and they wanted just a, a, a simple one, right? Like a senior sales executive, somebody who had 10 years of sales experience as a high performer. And we were looking together and we went through 10 different jobs at 10 pretty good companies. And they all had posted jobs within the last 48 hours. And every single one of those jobs had more than 1200 applicants, every single one. It was yeah. completely shocking to me. And that doesn't scream. Things are working really, really well in the jobs market. That, that screams something else. Exactly. The narrative a lot of places put out towards those job seekers never addresses the system, right? It's always like, here's what you need to do to you know land the interview. And the reality is when you're talking about 1,200, 2,000 jobs, there's nothing you can do, right? And so it, it's kind of this double whammy, I feel like, that, we put, that we're putting people in, in some instances where it's like, not only are you struggling, you're being sold the idea that fixing that struggle is as simple as fixing something within yourself, not you know these several different systemic factors that are kind of fracturing all at the same time. Yep, that's absolutely right. Okay, so we've established this baseline of what is happening or maybe the world as it is today for job seekers or the economy. What can people do at a high level to work within the bounds of what's going on right now? Is it throwing the towel, hey, it's not me, I give up? Or is it something more practical? You know, I don't think you can give up, right? I would say, and this isn't just what I don't mean to put this forth as the only thing, you know, because I think there's lots of different answers to that question. But what's really benefited me, I've had some up and down years too, just to be totally honest, as a freelance writer in February of 2020, I billed $25,000 to my clients, which is pretty good for, for, you know, freelance business writing. The following month, it was $6,000, right? In March of 2020, we know what was happening then. And ever since then, it's never reached that previous high and it's, it's fluctuated, you know, and in ways that just a lot of times don't make a lot of sense to me either. But the thing that has gotten me through that is I have a talent, right? I have a very specific talent, meaning that I can do something that most people find it hard to do, which is right. It's funny because we can talk about this too, but even in the, actually in the last few months in the age of chat GPT, I'm getting more work than ever coming in after artificial intelligence hasn't been you know, able to, to do the job and uh, I pick it up and go from there. So if you have a talent, you know, or if you don't have a talent, I would say one of the best ways to kind of make it through this is to really try and develop something and, and become good at something that other people find hard to do, right? And that second part of that is important because lots of people are good at something, but a lot of other people are good at that too, right? And so if you're in a space where you can do that or you have something, and that, that could be something creative, like writing, it could be something where... You know, you're one of those people that can just turn Excel sheets into its own art form. Like, I don't understand how to do that at all when people get in and numbers start flying everywhere and everything. But if you if you have a skill or a talent, really hone in on that, because I think that helps, right? That I can do something specific for you. 
And even in a space when I've been between clients or whatever, there's always been kind of enough there where I can, I can bring in a talent there. So I think, you know, hone that, invest in that. Some of the ways I invest in my writing, I mean, I've been primarily making my living from writing for about 10 years now, but before that, it was always kind of a component of what I did, but I still read specific book. For me, I listen to songs because I get some inspiration for how lyrics are written, share some commonalities with business writing actually to me. So I I spend a lot of time in that. And so that would be my first thing is if you have a talent or if you want to develop a talent, really invest in it and seek out ways to get that talent publicly validated. That's another kind of thing I was able to get going for me. But there's lots of platforms and opportunities to do that. And, you know, that spans ages too. Like, you know, I write great written content. I have no idea how to make a TikTok video. So that very specific talent, I think, is one of the key steps in sort of navigating an uncertain time like that. Yeah, I like that guidance, JC, especially the times kind of warrant, hey, let's hone in on one thing that we do really, really well. And I know you are partial to telling that story or storytelling around it. I'm curious to know, once you have that or once you're developing it, how do you tell a story to put yourself in the best light and highlight what you've been learning or what you're honing in on? One of the best ways to do that is is not a way I see typically People do that where they want to tell about a project they engaged on or some result they could, right? I think people are interested in the process of how something like that happens, right? You know, for me, just to put a fine point on it, I did that on LinkedIn. You know, I started writing about LinkedIn and then I started writing or I started writing on topics that I was interested in. Then I started kind of writing about writing those things and developing that and putting, you know, it sounds like the cheesiest writer thing to say in the world. But make yourself the character in your own story, right? And be comfortable with that. That's one thing I see that I actually work with. You know, I've worked with clients before, See, even CEOs that had this issue where it's like you're reluctant to put yourself out like that. And I think that that's the first step. It's not even how you tell that story. It's a willingness to be the main character in your own story and share that. Because, you know, when you're talking about this environment, no one's knocking on your door, right? You're going to have to knock on some doors. And even after you have you know, if you get public validation or if you get kind of known for this talent, it's just a competitive world, you know? So really putting yourself as the, as the main character in that story and really owning that I'm good at this. This is what I do. That wasn't always a comfortable space for me to be. I wasn't a very good self promoter. And it was more just the reality that like, you know, I would see people objectively, in my opinion, less talented than me doing way better business-wise, right? Because it's not just about the talent, it's about how you put that out there. So yeah, being comfortable telling people that you're good at something and that you're the person that they should work with sounds easy, but it's, I think a lot of people don't find that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally, totally cool. I'm curious because we hear this a lot too, is when people start putting themselves out there and you know maybe they're interviewing or maybe they're forced into a situation where they have to talk about themselves, it is a little uncomfortable to cast yourself as the main character and speak highly of yourself for, for many people, uh, if not most, or if, if not nearly all. What are some tricks you can do to kind of like snap into it, right? Like, okay, now I'm talking about myself. Now I'm the main character. What have you found? Is it just the reps of, you know, I have written so many stories with me as the main character that it just comes naturally? Or is it you know, here's something I did so that I get comfortable with being that main character. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the ways you can do that is practice, but you know, like I used to have a problem promoting myself to anyone, like potential clients, potential employers, but even to friends, family, my wife. I mean, I'm sure there were moments where I was, you know, bragging about something, but really saying, 
I'm really good at this and I know that, right? And so I would say one of the first steps is say it around people where the stakes are lower, right? Like if you're not comfortable saying this to your spouse or your partner or brother or friend, you're not going to be comfortable saying it to a stranger, right? And those people, you also learn how to say it the right way so it doesn't come off the wrong way, right? Like you don't want to like have this really harsh bit of bragging to your friend or your partner. So you're going to kind of naturally sort of, I feel like work your way through a way to talk about this where you're putting yourself out in front, putting yourself as the main character, but you're not doing it in a way that alienates people. But you're not going to learn how to do that the first time in a job interview, right? It's going to come off wrong if that's the first time you're really trying to to really be comfortable self-promoting. So I would say say that. My best advice, it's what I did, basically. I mean, I, there might be some better way out there. But I had to really practice getting comfortable saying those things in front of people that you know I felt very comfortable with. And even that isn't easy, but it's a lot easier than doing it again in an interview. Yeah, super cool. Great advice. And we definitely give this guidance too to job seekers or folks who are actually in that interview process is just practice, 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 practice. Yep. The questions you're going to get asked, a lot of them are going to be the same. Practice speaking with friends and family, get your answers honed in so you can do it. And it's easy. It's the same with nearly any craft, right? If you're an athlete, you're practicing every single day so that when the game comes, you can just be on autopilot almost. This has been great. I'm curious to know some more strategic guidance for you. You talk to tons of businesses, entrepreneurs, you know, potentially employees as well. What are some things that separate some of the best of the best from some of the folks who are up and coming? And how can people start punching up more related to what they're doing professionally? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'll have some more hard you know, some more tactical advice in this, but I think starting out with is just envisioning yourself there, right? Like that was also something, you know, and I won't even say I had to get over it. Like it's all checked off. This is sort of a lifelong thing for me, which is like, no, you're lowballing yourself. And I don't mean just in salary. I mean, what you're aspiring to be, the people you want to work with. And that's almost always a product of something psychological, right? Like that's whatever it might be, you know, significant trauma from childhood or something like that is just first step is envisioning yourself in that level you're punching up to. Because the reality is a lot of people at that level don't really know how they got there either, right? It was just kind of seeing it, doing it, and then it kind of happened. So I'd say envisioning yourself, you know, investing in yourself. It sounds trite maybe, but you hear a lot of people that want to move up, but it's like, what are you doing to make that happen? You know, like, I mean, and I don't even mean like, you know, specific educational programs. I mean, read a book, do something different, right? Like do something and not the same book everyone else has read, right? Go out and find something that really resonates with you. Like for me, not just as a writer, but as a human being, I get an enormous amount of benefit from reading fiction, right? It helps me understand maybe an issue I'm facing because I really can't find a real life example. So here it is in a novel. It gives me different ways to think about things. So I definitely view that as my own personal professional development thing. It's just reading, you know, something that I get, get that from. So yeah, I mean, envisioning yourself there, investing in yourself. And then, and I'm not saying this because I, I have a contract with them or anything. I mean, LinkedIn has been an enormous part of my career success. We can talk about that a little bit. But if you really, you know, really spend some time and not just have a good profile, not just do those things, but I've seen not just for me, but I, you know, I know very few specific people that reinvented their career really fast based on either relationships they made on LinkedIn, the impression they made on LinkedIn. So yeah, I, I would say that that would be a few things that you can just kind of grab that are low hanging there. Envision yourself, invest in yourself, and then 
really spend the time to to begin building a community around you because that will kind of spider web out into things you can't even imagine like and that's what happened for me for sure for sure and we're seeing that with all of these different socials right linkedin you can build a really big and meaningful following which you obviously have you can build a big and meaningful following on tiktok or on instagram or some of these you know smaller smaller communities where if you have that big and niche audience, people are just going to resonate and gravitate towards you. So really good right. and practical advice. I want to get in the weeds on LinkedIn because our audience is definitely on LinkedIn a lot. What are three things that people can do to up-level their LinkedIn presence to make themselves more generally appealing either for their job search or for, for something entirely different to just promote their personal brand? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a few things. And then we, after that, I can talk a little bit about how that following kind of came about for me because it was something people could, I feel like definitely mimic to some degree, but you know, very practical things. One is, and it's simple, is just start engaging, right? Like just start. And I don't mean, you don't even have to create your own original content, right? Like start following a few people, you know, and I don't mean influencers or anything like that. Just people that you like what they're saying, you know, it might even be someone, you know, personally, that's what's really kind of cool about LinkedIn is there's tons of good advice coming from people that aren't up on stages, right? Whatever reality they're in. So yeah, engaging with them, commenting on their posts, sharing their stuff. I'll give an example of something that I did a couple of weeks ago. There's a man named Justin Evans. He's an executive at Samsung and he has this glittering corporate career. But 15 years ago, and it's not even on his LinkedIn profile, he wrote this novel that I really loved. I quite related to. And I've read it several times since then. He's not a celebrity. He's a guy on LinkedIn, right? And I messaged him a couple of weeks ago, just like, hey, man, I uh, just want you to know your book really meant a lot to me. And thank you for writing it. And he responded with, that's awesome, you know, because that wasn't a part of his professional identity. So I was calling out something that was a little bit deeper there. And, you know, do those things. I mean, comment, engage. If someone does something you like or admire, send him a message. So send them a message telling them that. I mean, how much would you like an out of the blue message from some stranger saying, hey, you made a difference with whatever you said the other day? For sure. And so those things just start snowballing. If you just start doing that and there's not even, you know, I don't have a recommendation on time or anything like that. I just, because I'm not really talking about that, right? It's not about spending 20 minutes a day. It's about getting on there, finding people you like, engaging with stuff that means something to you because it actually genuinely touched you either in a good way, bad way, whatever it might be. So yeah, engagement on there is one, paying attention to it. If you treat your LinkedIn profile passively, it's going to be a passive instrument, right? If you just set it and kind of, you know, wait for people to come in there, that's not really going to happen. So even how you think of it, that this is an asset for me, like, like I know for my career, I mean, the value of my LinkedIn profile, like the hardcore tangible value of what that's meant to me is extremely high, you know? So if that's the case, treat it like that, right? You just don't park a $500,000 car in the backyard and then get to it again in a couple of years, right? And anyone can turn their LinkedIn profile into the equivalent of that for themselves. So I'd say that. And then, you know, just keep, just the little things, even like keep it up to date, um, describe what you did, you know, focus on results, meaning, you know, LinkedIn isn't a place to regurgitate a job description. It's to talk about what you've accomplished is to market yourself. So just tighten up your profile and there's tons of different examples and it's not, you know, I think it's cool. 
and there isn't like one way to do this, but when people are creative on that, right, it's not a matter of having like this really buttoned up professional headshot and then this, this, and that it's really marketing yourself. So that means, you know, that might look different if you're in the advertising business versus if you're in the construction business or whatever, but put that type of thought into it and just keep it kind of tightened up and up to date. For sure. Okay. This is really, really good tactical advice. And we see this a lot, right? Just one, your profile does need to be a reflection of you these days, especially if you're in the job search, if you want to be on LinkedIn, right? People pay attention to that. And then two, what I love the most about this is that extra nugget, that insight, when you just reach out to somebody and say something super nice and thoughtful, it's genuine, obviously, not just like yeah. make it up. But if they're really interested in you, they're going to find that extra thing. And if you want to get to know somebody and you're interested in connecting with somebody, all it is is take 30 seconds, a minute more of time, go deeper, and then find something that you resonate and just say thanks or say, hey, and yeah. something that you learn from it. That's really, really cool and and super, super tactical, JC. I appreciate it. A few more questions here before we let you go. What is what is on your mind these days? What are you working on that's really exciting that could be helpful to our audience? Yeah, I, I actually am doing a lot of good time to tie back to the beginning of the conversation, a lot of writing on the economy, whether that's, you know, on the different platforms I write on or some of the clients I work with, because I do think it's funny that you began this. And so the audience knows we did not coordinate this. But this notion that you started out with, that things are not as they appear to be, which isn't exactly what we're saying, but I think it kind of gets in the ballpark, right? I think that there is definitely a need for people to step in to that kind of breach and say how they really are and start talking about this. Because I think, you know, the reality is if you continue in that state for very long, bad things start to happen, right? If people start hearing you should have a job and they're like, I'm trying my hardest and this is just not happening, right? the road from that feeling to a really volatile, potent anger, a collective volatile and potent anger is really short. So lately I've been just kind of working on some different stuff that kind of talks about that. And it's definitely an area of my writing I want to expand because, you know, a lot of my early writing was about my family really economically struggled growing up. And there's some complicated reasons for that, but it's something that needs to be talked about a different way. You know, even even how we measure the economy, right? This was a couple of weeks ago and, and I was writing something for someone about how, you know, the news was getting better. And yes, there are all these other things, but there are some upticks. But then I went to the grocery store to buy dog food. And I, I live in a pretty nice part of Salt Lake City. So it's not mm -hmm. like... You know, it's a good neighborhood, which shouldn't be something you say, but it's just reality. Most people here don't look like they're struggling. But I went to the, the grocery store. The two cheapest brands of dog food were totally gone and everything else was full, right? Wow. And you see this in stores now. If you go to Office Max right now, because I the, like the one overhead cost of all my writing is printer ink, unfortunately. I still mm. have to deal with that. And <laughs> when you go to Office Max and you go through the laptop row, because I was curious after I saw this dog food thing, all the cheapest models, everything on sale is gone and everything else is fully stocked, right? That's a real insight into the economy, but that's not the way we talk about it. And I think, I think there's just a space for really talking about this stuff, you know, like it's more telling when upper middle class people are scraping by, you know, buying the cheapest dog food they can than any batch of labor data the government comes out with. That's a space I want to work on. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I, I I didn't know that we don't have a dog, but uh, but but I didn't know that that was the case, and that's really really insightful. And I think you know the thing that I've paid attention to a lot is, especially with Ramped, we do see job seekers all the time. We've always seen job seekers as the the platform we've built since day one has been for job seekers, 
However, now the job seeker looks and feels a little bit different. We're seeing more C-suite titles. We're seeing more SVP titles, more VP titles that are coming to us for guidance and help than ever before. And that is a sign of the times. You know, this yeah. is this is really what's going on in the economy is companies are are laying off people that are extremely talented, that have years of experience. And that is, in my opinion, from what I've learned and from what I know about the economy, not a sign of a healthy economy. That's a sign of, hey, something's up. I don't know how big it is. It's hard to qualify, but the scary part, I think, for job seekers now is when is it going to end? Not that it happened. It's what's next. Is there more more drops? Right. Is there something else coming? Or is this, okay, like this is just a time and it'll it'll wash out in six months? No, I think that's an important point because, and, and obviously this could, you know, delve off into a total other thing, but like regarding the way we're talking about things, to, to your point there, I'm not anti-AI across the board but the reality is that we're talking about something very different you know this isn't the old analogy of the typewriter factories go out of business so people go make computers this is a very intentional effort to reduce the dependence on human labor and that is going to have a lot of long-term impact so we we're in this stage where we're trying to figure out like what how modern economy even works and then you have COVID. But the main thing we're talking about in the future is not actually something that's going to ease these things. It's going to be something that puts more pressure on them. And so it's not, and you know, I feel like kind of the dialogue falls into, well, either AI is a savior or we ban it all. And the reality is that we are actually better than that as human beings. We can figure out if we try a more nuanced way to make these things work for us. But we can't do that if we're not having an honest dialogue and saying, yes, this is about eliminating the need for human labor. This isn't about shifting one group of workers from one industry to the other. And if we can't acknowledge that, we certainly can't manage our way through it. Yep. Yep. It's a good point. I don't mean to, to leave us on a high point. We have so much more to talk about, but I do have to run on this episode specifically, JC. But it's been great. This conversation has been great. We've talked on so many large conversation points and tactics as well. I want to just dig into you with our final question that we've asked all of our guests on all seasons of the Ram podcast. If you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering into your career? So when I was 22, I was in community college and I wrote the first five chapters of a novel. And my teacher really liked it and sent it to an editor she knew at a major publisher who was willing to develop this book with me. Literally the day after I met with that editor, I became afraid. And there's lots of reasons for that, some of which I understand, some of which I still don't. But basically, I just didn't think I was, you know, the type of person that would be on a Barnes and Noble shelf. And it took me almost 20 years to get back to a point where I can entertain that idea again. So don't be afraid. Don't let fear rule you. It'll always cause you to make bad choices, whether that's professionally, personally. And, you know, my life worked out the way it was supposed to. So I don't want to sound like I regret it. But if I, I feel like I could do it over again, even if I would have made the same decision, I would have liked to have not made it out of fear. Great. Great advice. Great advice. It's so hard to do. So, so, so profound, though. People, you know, living in, even it's just internal, right? It's just a feeling, right. but it's sometimes yeah. it's all consuming. It's something that's going to just be so, so intense, but really appreciate that guidance, JC. Where can folks find you? We, we want to know how to reach out to you. Uh, go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn is the best place. It's where I'm by far the most active and I accept connection requests from strangers. I know that's like people have different philosophies to me. 
all the opportunities you don't know about, like being on this podcast. I didn't know you, you know, until today. So, you know, you might, out of every 20 people you come across, someone might be someone you didn't want to know, but you still met 19 people you did. So yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message. And I'm glad to talk. And if you need any, you know, have any questions on writing or my career path or anything after you look at my profile, I'm glad to answer them. Sweet, JC. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom, your guidance. Uh, our folks are going to eat this one up and we very much hope to have you back sometime on the Ramp Podcast. Thank you. Love to be back.